The climb was pretty intense. We keep climbing higher and higher. The climb gets steeper and steeper. Now the air on Mount Everest is one third of the oxygen that you and I are breathing here. So my pace was one step for three breaths. I thought, man, there's no way I'm gonna make it up to the summit. This is too slow. This is ridiculous. I'm taking these steps and I get to a spot where I cannot take my leg out of the ice. I look down, they're not stuck on anything. What's going on? Why can't I move my foot? Nuru, he's a local to Nepal, comes over to me and he takes his mitt off and he knocks twice on my oxygen canister on my back. Normally, it would make a noise like thunk, thunk, showing that there was oxygen in it, that it was full. He goes, ping, ping. And he says, sir, very bad news. You have no air. Maybe we go back, maybe you die. <laughs> And I said, not that one. He says, oh, more air up high. And what he was saying was that previously in the expedition, there had been oxygen bottles that were stashed up higher in case of emergency. He could go get one and I would stay in place. So he disappears off into the Himalayan black sky. There's not a feeling like, of loneliness in the world like sitting in the middle of the Himalayan mountains with no one around you at night. I'm looking down at that red suit that I put on and it starts to turn gray and then almost black. And I realized what's happening was my brain was shutting down. I was actively dying because of the lack of oxygen. Remembering my hero, Sir Edmund Hillary, who said it's not the mountain we conquer but ourselves. Conquer yourself, John. Conquer yourself, John. Finally, I see this light coming down towards me. And I'm like, please be Nuru, please be Nuru. And he says, John, sir, I have air. And I'm like, yes. And he takes this oxygen bottle off of the regulator, the old one. He takes the new one, screws it in. I take a breath. And as soon as I do, my suit turns from gray to red again. Whoa, my foot pops right out. We start walking. He says, ready to climb? I say, yeah, ready to climb. Let's do this. Absolutely. So I start taking these steps, one after the other. Three breaths, one step. Conquer yourself, John. Conquer yourself, John. So I see this pyramid shadow in the distance. That shadow is Mount Everest being cast dozens of miles into the distance. And that's when I realized that I was there. I was standing on top of the world, on top of Mount Everest. On the podcast, we have a mountain climber, a Mount Everest summiting mountain climber. John Beatty is on the Two Cent Dad podcast today. I'm super excited to talk to you and hear your stories, John. Thanks for being on, man. Mike, also happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I know you got an upcoming book, you know, coming out um, called The Warrior Challenge. You know, eight steps for um, 
becoming a true warrior that's that's aimed at young boys and I, but and we talked about that a little bit but I'm just excited to hear some stories man that you know you you've done quite a bit and you know maybe maybe give a little background for for the listeners on on how you came to to climb Mount Everest Sure so not only Everest but I've climbed the tallest mountain on every continent I've traveled to I think it's at 67 countries now it's only so often that I actually kind of like sit down and add them up and I've been kite surfing on every major ocean so i've had some adventures that's for sure yeah. now to to fund all of this i've been giving professional keynote speeches to now cl- almost like just short of 1 million live audience members in 48 states six continents or six countries um on six continents so that's my that's who i am <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I knew some of those facts that I was going to say those before the interview started. I'm like, I'm probably going to miss a few anyways. So <laughs> see if John can fill in the gaps. All here. good. There you go. There you go. That's it. <laughs> so w- which was the first mountain you climbed? Tell me about, like, take me back to, to how you got started doing this, man. And like, the oh. you know. Okay. So I was a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout, and would teach rock climbing you know, just up 30, 40 foot tiny walls in Washington state where I went to this summer camp. In 2004, my buddy rings me up and says, I'm in university now. And he's like, hey, if you want, I'm going to climb the Grand Teton. Do you want to go with me? And we were dirtbag, poor, had no money, had no equipment. And we're like, yeah, sure. And I'm thinking like, I'm an instructor. I've got this. No problem. So we, we roll up, we get to the trailhead at 10 p.m., and we don't we can't afford a tent, so we decide we're going to do it all in one day. Most people do it in three days. We're like, we're gonna just going to do it in one shot because tents are too expensive. We don't have proper gear, like we call them cams and quick draws, the equipment to secure your rope into the cliff. Mm-hmm. Well, all we had was a rope. We said, okay, here's the plan. Here's the plan. If one person falls... While that person is falling, the other person needs to jump over a rock so that we pendulum swing. And, and both of us were like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, that's how we're going to climb this thing. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Sounds like, like a plan. <laughs> yeah, why not? So, like, out of complete moronic stupidity and total disregard for anything safety, somehow we made it up, got back down, and, like, on the way back down, word had somehow got out and people were going are you two the idiots that were like did it in one shot and didn't use like any gear we're like yeah that was us thinking we're all cool you know (laughs) so so that was the start of it then i but the the progression forward was the exact same but with learned lessons on each progressingly difficult mountain so it would start with this like so totally silly climb in in wyoming then I went to South America. I climbed the tallest mountain there. Didn't even summit. Got knocked off, but learned a lot from it. Then I went and took a Denali prep course, went and uh, climbed Denali, summited, and learned from it. Made a bunch of mistakes. It went like that over and over and over until I had made all the mistakes possible that, it, that you could make on Everest. But I learned how to overcome them or how to handle it when situations like that came up. And by the time that I decided, yep, I'm ready, like I know everything that that mountain's going to throw to me. I believed I was I was ready for it, and I was. Yeah, and tell me about that that process. You know, I was watching one of the speeches that you gave around. You tell a story about climbing Everest and where your I think it's like your jacket turns from like red to like black and white. You know, yeah. And I, and I was like, 
and, and you talk about this notion of like conquering yourself. And so t- tell me a little bit about as you got progressively harder, you know, what, what was going on? It's more than just mountains at that point, right? I mean, you, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. impacting, you know, how you're viewing your own personal identity and then obviously how you're overcoming challenges. So, so tell me a little bit about how that evolved and then evolved into obviously you sharing that wisdom, you know, in keynote speeches. Absolutely. So I never understood what my draw was to the mountains. I couldn't clearly articulate it until I was in my 30s. And what I now know is that it's moving meditation. And the process of climbing is not about going up, even though literally it is, but more important to me, it's about going in and learning to dig out what I've got inside of me and put myself in progressively more difficult or challenging situations and see how much inner strength I have to draw out. Now, that's like a cool little, I don't know, you could call it a soundbite, I guess, that took a decade of mountaineering work to to understand that's why I love this, because I, I believed that I was made of more, but didn't have any way to quantify it. Back in the day of tribal human history, we used to have these rites of passages where a young man was given, here's what it takes to protect your tribe. Here's what it takes to be a, a guy who can look after yourself. And for better or worse, we lost those. I mean, the bad side of it was that those were abusive trials. But the good side is that they gave us this standard of here's what it means to be a man. And I don't know that we have that any longer, a clear definition of Here's what it takes. Here's what you need to do in modern contemporary culture. And I think that I started climbing so that I could create one of these for myself. Did I answer the question or did I? No, that's absolutely right. off. I mean, you're, you're getting deeper. I love it early, John. Well, you said you created it for yourself because you didn't have it. That's really interesting. And you almost discovered that you didn't. So what I'm hearing you say is you like discovered that you hadn't gone through that sort of rite of passage. You're like creating it. And then it was a journey of creating it. And and I'd like you to unpack that a little bit more because I feel like, especially dads and, you know, as they're trying to raise young boys and, and to, to go through these rites of passages, either either someone did go through a rite of passage and they're able to, to understand that and articulate that and say, Hey, I want I want to, I want to also create those rite of passages for my children or they didn't. And then they're having to do that first themselves or they partially did or something. So then they're ill equipped to actually, actually have our, have their kids go through that. Right. You know, so I think it's a really interesting concept and I, and I'd like to, to hear a little bit more about how that evolved and how you realize that through the, through the climbing thing, because I think obviously it was a process wasn't immediately apparent. Like, Oh, I got to go through to one of those rite of passages things. Right. Yeah. Let's do that the next weekend. You know, it wasn't <laughs> like that, obviously, you know, so it's like, so tell me yeah. about how you, there was like the discovery or the, you know, you said you realized that the draw to the mountains was that So just tell me a little bit more about some of the, some of the, the ahas, you know, through that process. So you mentioned in the last question when my jacket started turning from red to gray and I didn't go clear about what that was about. Yeah. So for those listening, you know, you heard the speech, but for those listening, my oxygen was leaking and eventually ran out. Each bottle is meant to last for 10 hours. These bottles lasted me for about three hours. And what happened was the temperature was so cold that the O-ring, which seals the, the, you know, the, the threads between the regulator and the bottle – 
became so cold that it cracked and that little bit of that crack was causing the seeping of the air and I couldn't figure it out because my you only have 30 seconds of being able to take your gloves off and then you're touching metal and if you've ever been skiing and you touch metal like you know that that's not a fun experience so I, I mentioned that because I was put to the face of death and immediately after that happened I came across a man who was left behind by his team he was on his last breath I was the last person to see him take a breath to my knowledge I did everything I could to try and rescue him but this sent me through a deep questioning of why am I doing this so you had just like seen a guy die basically is what you're saying I I saw my jacket turn from red to gray yeah I knew my oxygen was running out. I was continuing to climb. And then there on the right side of me is a guy who was on his last breath. And as far as I know, he took that last breath when I was there with me. I tried everything I could, as I mentioned, to try and save him. But that resulted after somebody getting back down safe. Several months later, I wasn't right. Like, I was terrified to go out in public. I remember once I was trying to hand cash across the counter at a coffee shop and was trembling and couldn't figure out why. I thought somebody behind me was going to attack me. It was post-traumatic stress disorder. And so by going through the process of therapy and digging deep into this one event, it opened up all these past ideas of, like, why did you have to do this climbing in the first place? What, what, did it, what was it going to mean to you? And how do you now choose for it to mean? Now I don't qualify for the symptoms of PTSD any longer, which like super happy about yeah. that of course it's a much happier place to be but that's what it took for me to realize that it was a rite of passage it took this kind i call them wake up smacks every guy at some point in his life whether it's through a breakup a parent passing away a traumatic event something that happens in their workplace like as we're seeing with like er doctors firefighters you know wildland firefighters they we everybody at some point faces this traumatic moment that kind of whacks you over the head and makes you ask, what is this about for you? And the cool thing is we, we all get to decide that. So that's my roundabout answer of why I realized that these mountains were a rite of passage because it was the process of, I'm not sure what I'm doing out here in life. I had this traumatic smack and then through that unraveling or that therapeutic process, I figured it out and it's one that sits at peace with me. Hmm. So obviously that's a, that's a really intense way to go about that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And not everybody needs to go through that level of intensity. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I mean, I totally, I'm always like tracking like 110% with you as you're talking. Like, so, so tell me like, so, so tell me about how, obviously this is a huge problem today. Right. And you have, you have almost like, guys that are maybe going through life and they haven't gone through that and 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 tell me about some of the symptoms that you see or like before that like what what's happening you know if they don't have one of these rite of passages and like how they can kind of seek it out and find it or you know what what are what are some of the some of the advice that you'd give to someone that maybe is like it maybe like a couple of months before you in that whole process sure so i think that men today result we we end up because of this lack of a, a clear path to what it is to be a man we have two end results that are both toxic we become 
on one end of the scale, like this aggro male tough guy trying to overcompensate, you know, like getting like trying to just puff up the chest in every situation. And that hurts other people around you. That's not the point of being a quality man. The other end of that is being a rollover, pushover, nice guy that doesn't have a backbone. Also destructive to yourself and to the other people around you. So if you recognize either of those in yourself, which I think we all can. I mean, I've been on both sides of those at some point or another. And if you're listening right now, I, I can see I can see nodding yeah, in the, in the yeah, video exactly, right here. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah so if you, rec if you recognize any of that in yourself, I think that seeing both the negative result, which is going to be like we end up expressing that in numbness, numbing the pain away, nicing the pain away, or like overcompensating the pain away. If you notice yourself doing any of those things, that's the moment that you're being called. And it's not like a, it's not going to be your friend stepping up and saying, Come on, now's your time. Like, it's not a call to action like in the films. It's a quiet whisper that comes from your heart of, hey, man, you're made for something more. Are you ready to step up to that? Like, that little nudge is that path that, that's asking you, it's time to step up. Now, what do you do? Like, you don't have to climb Mount Everest. You don't have to encounter a, a, a man on his last breath and see him pass away. But find something that's challenging. And you can do this with your son. I know this is a dad's podcast. So like, take your, talk to your son about this. Say, hey, what would it mean for you to feel like you had done something so badass and awesome that you feel like you have an increased level of confidence? And this could be something in your family, like becoming an Eagle Scout or like learning to throw a football 30 yards. Or, you know, what is it in your family that makes you feel like if you agree your son had this and you had this, that this, this would be like another level of hell yeah. And if you can find that, that is the start of where your rite of passage should be. Yeah. So that's, I, I don't even know where to go from that. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty thick. I mean, there's a lot there. I mean, so you said it's not like the movies, you know, it's not like some, there's going to be this like perfect scene where there's no Obi-Wan Kenobi. A, yeah. Are you having a beer with your buddy? And he just totally is like, yeah, I think I want to dig in on that a little bit because I think, you know, personally I've felt times where I've kind of gone through that. And then it's like, you almost don't know where to turn in terms of, you know, other fellow warriors or something to, yeah. to encourage you or say, Hey, I went through that and this is how it turned out. I think, and I think that's really important, especially for like dads that as they're, they're kind of transitioning in this new phase of life. And if they maybe have some of those instances where they say, Hey, I didn't, I'm feeling like there's more. And now I gotta, now I gotta, you know, have this great challenge of like raising these, these boys or, or whatever, when you have those nudges and, and not having a, a way to necessarily like leverage those around you and, and maybe mm. you don't have the vocabulary to talk about it, or you don't know even, you don't know what the next step is. Right. And, and so tell yeah. me, tell me about that. Like what, that's obviously a problem, but I see there's, there's a, there's a, there's an overcompensation and then a numbness that, that is, that exists maybe in the community around you. And so like, they're going to respond one way or the other, like, Oh yeah, I did this, da, 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 you know, puff up the chest and I'm a badass. Or you say, 
yeah, it's not a big deal. You just kind of poo-poo it away, you know, on the other end of the spectrum. So, you know, can you speak to that a little bit? I know there wasn't a clear question in there, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's what conversation is, man. That's yeah. What, it's, it's good. Um, without making like a super big plug for the book, I do lay out the steps for here's the, like the five components for a rite of passage. So if, if any dad wants to, that's in the very back in the appendix, like here's how to create a rite of passage with step-by-step instructions for your son or for the young man in your life. To what you just said, though, I think that in, because there's not this like Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, hey, here's exactly what your rite of passage should be and pointing at the Darth Vader of your life and that's who you have to defeat and then you'll like win the the princess like it's not that clear for us but in that case that was his sister so that got all weird that wasn't the princess he wanted to win anyway but anyway back on track (laughs) i think that for guys it's about vulnerability and admitting where the hurt is and by being the one courageous enough to step up and do that you will inadvertently inspire others to do so as well and suddenly you can all more clearly hear that little inner nudge of hey like there's more and and there's a path and you just have to be courageous enough to go after it an example of this my friend david flood he's a he's another speaker you know we all have our like colleagues of of uh, mm-hmm. professionals he's he's another speaker he calls me up one day and says hey i was just thinking about you cuz i'm walking through this town after giving this speech and I feel like there's nobody around who like understands this. Have you ever felt that way? Like he said, I don't understand. I I feel like other people don't know how lonely this is to be Mm -hmm. out here. Like you give this big speech and then you walk off stage and you just like get on your airplane and fly home. It's like really a contrast. Have you ever felt that way? And by him opening up with that vulnerability first, like he called me randomly at the most important time when I needed that conversation. I had that courage to go there as well. So by being that person who says, hey, man, here's what hurts for me. Have you ever felt something similar? That's what opens up those conversations to where it takes your crew from being this numbing or overly tough crowd to like, hey, here's what's actually just going on. Here's what's true. And right now we are all hurting in some way in coronavirus. Like I was thinking when I was getting ready for this, if you're a dad out there, You've got a family. You're probably going out of your mind trying to like figure out how to work and look after your kid while the kid's at home on Zoom calls. Meanwhile, and the whole world's falling like, apart. And the whole Cities world's are burning. Falling apart. <laughs> Cities are burning. People are like protesting things to the ground and everybody hates each other online. Yeah. Meanwhile, like I'm a single guy. I'm here alone at my place. Like we're all struggling in different ways. But just to admit, here's the struggle. I think that's incredibly empowering in the end for guys. I think that's important in that there's the, the, the spectrum exists. So, so you can, you can say, yeah, you need to be vulnerable. And then immediately there's reactions that go either way, either like, Mm -hmm. either it's like, nah, no, not vulnerability. Yeah. Right. John, I can't admit that. I gotta, I gotta keep on this persona. I gotta like fake it till I make it right. Like I'm going to be strong. Or you say the vulnerability is good, but you embrace the vulnerability and there's never a call to actually you know, transcend that, that vulnerability, right? To the, to the, so you're saying, Hey, to not um, be complacent after the vulnerability, right? It's like, you, yes, I think great, there's a, great point. there's like a feminine side and this is where we get into like genders and stuff, but it's like, there's like a feminine side that wants to comfort 
And so as masculinity, this is my belief. I think what you see is there's, there's masculinity that's kind of been decreased, you know, it's in, in the world and the feminine has been elevated. So it's like the vulnerability is cast aside because for the macho men, right? Cause they're like, no, nah, that's, that's more feminine, but holistically it's like, yeah, they, they take the vulnerability and it's like, yeah, I'm vulnerable. And then the, you know, the feminine side is like, yeah, that's great. That's fine. Let's talk about that. Let me comfort you, which is fine. They're just different. They're not, that's not like right. worse or whatever. But then you you embrace that comfort, and there's never a like charge to say, well, you actually can do more, and you're called to more. So let's take the moment, let's discuss that, and then let's 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 transcend that and go, go beyond it, right? That is such a good like distinction and question because I'm fully on board with you. This is not a license to complain and whine and like sit in your pity of look at how tough things are in my life. The Mandan tribe of and they're like South Dakota, North Dakota area. They used to have a rite of passage where the young man would be speared through the, the skin of his chest, hung up, drugged. And when he was dropped down, they would chop off his finger, making him look at his finger, feeling the pain. And it, they would say, do you hurt? And he's, yeah, he's screaming. Yeah, of course it hurts. And they would show him, teach him how to breathe through that pain. Look at his missing finger that he would hold in his other hand and say, I am bigger than this pain. There's more inside of me than what hurts. And mm. I'm now the kind of guy who knows that no matter how tough the the situation, I have what it takes to overcome. That's what mountaineering was for me. It was this like, oh my gosh, everything's so painful. These mountains aren't, like sometimes they're not fun. You're just slogging through the darkness and one o'clock in the morning, ice all around you. It was the same thing. And it's... I mean, without losing a finger, thankfully, it didn't freeze off. It was this like looking deep into myself. Do I have what it takes to overcome whatever the world can throw at me? And that's the same point of a rite of passage for for you listening, for your son, for the young man in your life. It's can you handle the challenges that culture and society have right now and improve the world and uplift others by acknowledging that, yeah, there's pain. But you have proven already to yourself that you can get past it. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the. That's sort of super fascinating about, about the Indian tribe, by the way. <laughs> so, th- so they just they just lose a finger then. They, <laughs> just that's the that's what after be, after being speared through the skin of their chest and hung up overnight, like like suspended by the skin, drugged. Oh drop down, chop off their finger, and then they'd whip them and they'd have to run around the village and this was their rite of passage for becoming a man. Wow. It's been stopped, but that that was what they had to do. Wow. So tell me about the the five steps that you propose. <laughs> a little bit easier than that. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So the first one is what I mentioned, and that's to find the something that's challenging but still within reach, right? Like if it's so hard that you're like, there's no way possible that I could ever do it, then all it is is a formula for being deflated. So that's step one. Step number two is it has to be relevant. Like right now, if, Mike, you had your finger chopped off, you'd be like, that was ridiculous. I just lost my finger for no reason. Back then, they had bison that would spear them. So they had to learn how to overcome the pain of being speared. That's why the, like spearing through the skin happened, so that if the village was ever being attacked, they would know like, hey, I'm not scared of this thing because I know what it's like to be speared as though a bison were going to spear me. So you got to come up with something that's like relevant to you and your world today. Purposeful. The 
it has to be something that you have a question of what's going to be answered by doing this. Like it has to have a point. What is it within you that you feel calling at you that you'd like to bring out? That's third. Fourth is guided. Someone should be there walking you through it. Every big climb I've gone on, I've had somebody there, whether it was a friend or a paid professional guide who took me by the hand through each progressive step. Same thing with rite of passages. Even when the aboriginals in Australia sent their boys off into the desert for six months, they had a training process where there was a guide showing them all the dangers of the desert beforehand. So find somebody who's been there before you. And if you're a father doing this for your son, that could be you. If you're the father looking for the rite of passage of your own, hire a professional guide. You know, if it's like, I want to catch 10 fish fly fishing, never been fly fishing, but there's something about that. Go to a place where there's a guy, like the greatest guide in North America. And then the last one is there's got to be some element of it that's fun. Like that carries you through it. I don't know if those last one, those like having your finger chopped off is fun for those kids or any of that process was, but now we get to choose, right? In Vanuatu, the young men would jump off of a hundred foot tree with, with vines suspended, tied around their legs and they would bungee jump. Like that sounds fun. Like other than not wanting to hit the ground when they get down, but that's, <laughs> that's like, there's gotta be an element of, of this is awesome. I, I'm really enjoying this. So those are the five steps that I recommend. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's, go ahead. I'm basically reading straight out of the book right now, The Warrior yeah. Challenge. It's called Eight Quests for Boys to Grow Up with Kindness, Courage, and Grit. And it actually comes out tomorrow from the date that we're recording this. So I'm super pumped. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, September 1st. So congrats, man. I, I really appreciate talking to you, John. I, I think this is a very important topic. I think it's a, for, for I think men that haven't gone through Rite of Passage, I think it's it's a really confusing topic because it's so entangled with like you know this this notion of like bullying or of a you know hazing you know which is typically yeah. like a rite of passage a mini rite of passage i might say or just something difficult right and so it's kind of like well that's too hard or whatever that is you know it, it's just a it it's just an interesting topic because it's like it's not fully understood right and so totally. it's kind of this notion of like comfort comes in and and totally you know negates these rites of passages, right? Because they're, they're very difficult. So maybe they're, they, they, they harm you in some way, or they're, they're like, they're just not like clean, right? Like in, in many senses of the word, right? Well, that, that's why they stopped. Right. And yeah. that's why, I mean, nobody should have to face a, a dead guy on the side of a mountain. Like that was a very painful experience. And that's what eventually led to why I wanted to write this book so that there could be a rite of passage for young men that is not that gruesome, hazing, painful experience, but still teaches, hey, here's how to step up as a man. Here's how to have self-awareness. Here's how to set what values you have for yourself, your personal boundaries. Here's how to have grit. Here's how to avoid toxic relationships. Here's how to push through when things are difficult and believe in equality and find your purpose. Those are all the things that are here for 10 to 18-year-old boys and I, I aimed to create a rite of passage that was in the form of a book and not of a traumatic uh, experience. Yeah. And so you can get the book on Amazon, I assume, and other places. Where is the best place to find you, John? WarriorChallengeBook.com is where you can get, like, for your, for your listeners, there's a, I'll give a, a mail assigned insert uh, to anybody there. There's a little offer for that. 
as well as free samples of the audiobook chapter as well as ebook and that'll link you right over to Amazon if you enter your details there it'll send you right to the order page or you could just go to Amazon and search for the warrior challenge eight quests for boys to grow up with kindness courage and grit awesome and we'll link all that up in the show notes thanks John I appreciate your time man Mike thank you so much for having me on the call Thank you for listening and thank you for making an investment in being a great dad and investing in your family. This show is proudly made possible and supported by Waypoint. Uh, Waypoint helps guide managers on their journey through leadership. You can learn more at waypointhq.com. And as always, if you have a suggestion for the show or a guest or feedback, please don't hesitate to email me, mike at twocentdad.com. And if you want to make sure you never miss any great content, then you got to get on the email list. And you can do that on the website, twocentdad.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Mike Sudik.